to The B-Sides, a podcast for progressives who love pop music. We're your hosts. I'm Hannah. I'm Mimi. And I'm Becky. Tune in for new episodes every other Wednesday to hear our conversations on pop's place in our world. And the music you should put in your ears to fuel your reckoning with the trash fires all around us. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the b-sides hello hi the b-sides is a community where the three of us and the larger community feud with matthew morrison and he (laughs) doesn't know about it among other things um should we write him a letter just so that he just so that he's aware i think we're at an advantage that like he doesn't know and then we'll sneak attack at some point anyway I bring this up because we will be talking about feuds today, and we're really glad you're here. Welcome back. Subscribe if you haven't already. We come out every other Wednesday, and subscribing makes it way easier to keep up. Um, so yeah, open up the description of this episode to find other ways to join this internet home and hang out with us online. So today, we will be talking about artist feuds because for some reason I decided this was a good idea um as someone who never almost never yells and like definitely shies away from confrontation unless it's absolutely necessary I think that I arrived at this because I love to live vicariously through a good feud and I also think that looking at feuds between artists both you know, a feud itself and how the stories about it unfold can tell us a lot about power dynamics in the industry, who gets empathy and who doesn't. And also talking about drama can be fun. I think we can all agree on that. So that's what we're going to do. But in doing our research, we have really kind of realized that the word feud, when it's tossed around in the media, can actually look like so many different things on the ground. And so like maybe feuds are a fake concept a lot of the time, including some of the ones we're going to talk about today. Like the word seems to hold a lot of weight and draws people's attention because drama is fun, but it also often makes the actual circumstances seem far more uh, superficial and also balanced like this person versus that person on an equal playing field than they really are. So we're going to explore questions like, can it be a feud if they've never spoken to each other directly? Can it be a feud if the playing field is so uneven? Can it be a feud if it's actually just people in power being monsters to people who aren't in power and can't control the situation or the narrative? Um, We each came to the table with a so-called feud we'd like to get into, but at a distance from the safety of our podcast's virtual space. And I think I don't want to announce the, like, if you want to go to the description and read what we're going to get into, you can do that there. But otherwise, I think we're just going to like, roll tied into it and not announce all the feuds beforehand. Uh, But first we're going to take a quick break and collect ourselves and we will see you on the other side. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I am going to go first with my feud of choice, which is Mariah Carey versus Jennifer Lopez. Um, this and the crowd goes oh. wild. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine that some of you listening are like, wait, what? And others are like, ah, yes, this one. This feud has gone on for over 20 years. It's older than 9-11. <laughs> it's between two people who've been household names for almost 30 years. And this is the feud that made Mariah say, I don't know her, which we love and gave us all a new shady meme phrase to throw around. It's the feud that I found a lot of people don't know about, despite knowing this meme very well and like never wondering who she's talking about or where it came from um and I think that this is possibly because Mariah and Jayla have hardly ever been in the same room together so there's not a ton of content really but like I don't know so Becky and Hannah coming into this episode how aware were you of this feud literally had no idea about this feud and I knew the meme and I couldn't tell you where it was from so I'm very excited to be talking and learning the history today yeah, I, um, it also took me a long time to learn about this feud. And what I do remember is, um, I knew that the, I knew about the meme and then I knew the meme was about Jennifer Lopez, but then it took me actually a longer time to realize that it wasn't like a one-off moment of like, you know, just a, a quick tiff between stars that there was like actually history and like it was loaded and, their entire careers were wrapped up in the feud in some ways. So that took me a long time. So I do feel a little bit aware of it, but I need this, I, I need a breakdown. So I'm excited to learn. Okay. So here's a rundown for the folks at home and also the folks that I'm recording with. So this feud began in 2001. JLo in the nineties began her career really starring as the late pop star, Selena Quintanilla Perez in the biography film, Selena. And she had just released her first album. Mariah had been releasing ballads and bangers for a decade at this point and was working on a new song, Lover Boy, for the glitter era, which we should talk about at some point, a, an interesting flop. Um, the plan was for Lover Boy to feature Ja Rule and sample Yellow Magic Orchestra's Firecracker, a 70s song. She had licensed it and all, but then Jayla's team came in and snagged the sample and Jaw Rule for I'm Real, which ended up being originally released on the same day as Lover Boy, June 19th, 2001. So Mariah like basically has to pivot very quickly and change the sample and rapper on the track. Um, and then this cut even deeper when Lover Boy only hit number two on the charts. Mariah's used to every single hitting number one I'm real is at number one at the same time uh so 
yeah I mean and then also like the message of I'm real being like I'm real uh adds insult to injury here so this this is the start of this feud and um I mean the question is like who was in charge of this sabotage so unfortunately it is music producer and Mariah's own ex-husband and obsessive and vindictive person, Tommy Mottola, who came up with the idea. They got married and divorced in the 90s, and he allegedly wanted to derail her career. And so he came up with this plan, kind of using J-Lo as a pawn, which is kind of how the story goes. So as we'll see with a lot of feuds, it's like there are typically more people involved than the two people who are sort of pinned against each other at the center. I do think that JLo plays this like innocent, ignorant card. Like she was fully like 32 at this point. And she was like, I'm new to the music industry. Like I have no idea what happens behind the scenes. And she hasn't really commented on it further. So I think that is interesting. Are you saying then, that you think she wasn't as ignorant as she says that she was? I think there's a high chance of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for sure. And I like JLo and Mariah, like, um, both, but I do think she has a habit of being like, of kind of like feigning ignorance sometimes. So then comes the iconic phrase that I mentioned earlier, later in 2001, a German news outlet was asking Mariah about other female artists. And she's like, like Beyonce, she's like, Oh, I love Beyonce. Like, and then JLo's name comes up and she smiles and like shakes her head. And she's like, I don't know her. And then like continues to shake her head and smile. Um, fortunately, this clip has been preserved through time. But unfortunately, this moment kind of backfired for Mariah. Like, imagine working very hard to end up with one of the best voices of all time and having over a dozen number one songs to your name. And suddenly everyone is just asking for your thoughts on JLo. So, of course, she didn't like this. Um, these questions came with a lot of comparisons between the two of them. And eventually she said, like, we should not be compared because I am a singer and a songwriter and JLo is an actress. Again, it's kind of shady, but like, where's the lie? You know, JLo is like a really talented actress. She is. And a dancer and a choreographer. Yeah. Okay, so although J-Lo hasn't confirmed any involvement in the Tommy Mottola, I'm real versus lover boy of it all, she did confirm in 2014 that she and Mariah have never technically met or spoken to each other. They do not, in fact, know each other, um, which is part of what makes this feud so interesting to me. Like, can it really be one? They occupied major roles in the same industry. Their music videos spent a lot of time together on TRL. They were judges on American Idol at different times. They have different skills, backgrounds, personalities, perspectives. I think like this combination of things can make the recipe for a feud, except like aside from attending the same award shows or being on red carpets, like they've literally never met or spoken directly to each other. I don't understand how that happens, how a feud gets drawn out that long. I'm like, am I missing something? Have they met and they just deny it? But I feel like they're both so famous that we would know at some point. I feel like that's proof that it's a real feud because what it means is that their team, their teams who have to work really hard on a thousand things in any given event, in any given um, 
era promotion also have to be making sure that they don't meet. Like it's really, I imagine it's actually quite hard to not, to not meet. And it means that like people were, were working very diligently to ensure it didn't happen. And I think that's proof that it's, that it's like very, very real, but then right. Can you call it a feud or is it just like, we hate each other? Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Also knowing like the history of Mariah's mental illnesses and everything that was happening at the time. I'm also like, it's, she probably was like going through things and maybe didn't handle uh, things in the, in the most mature ways. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can just be like, I guess you can just be in the same kind of space with someone and just be like I know that I don't like them and this one thing and I I either like didn't care that I did this to them which makes me know I don't like them or they did something to me without even knowing me and therefore like I know that I don't like them like they must have been the Grammys together oh for sure like Like, probably like 20 times yeah So, okay, whatever the truth is behind the scenes, like I do have to say, and I think this is probably true of all of the feuds we're going to talk about, that the media loves to stoke the fire because like it's easy to do that and it brings in viewers and readers. Um, So for instance, at the 2015 Billboard Music Awards, Mariah was performing Vision of Love when the camera panned to J-Lo, who was texting... And it immediately turned into like J-Lo is ignoring Mariah's performance, which J-Lo denied. She was like, I watched, (laughs) she was like, I watched most of it until I got a text and then I responded to it. And I'm like, it is a three minute song. So like, you probably could have waited until the end of Mariah Carey performing Vision of Love, but whatever. Uh, The next year, TMZ cornered Mariah at a hotel in New York, of course, and asked if she knew J-Lo yet. (laughs) And she said, I still don't know her. And that still seems true. Like, it's just amazing that this has gone on for so long. Um, And as far as we know, nothing that deep happens post 2001, probably because they never interact. But like, here we are. Um, So maybe it really is just enough of a personality clash that they can like never be together. The latest was in 2020 when Mariah released her memoir the meaning of Mariah Carey. And in it, she talks about the Loverboy debacle of J-Lo saying, after hearing my new song using the same sample I used, Sony rushed to make a single for another female entertainer on their label, whom I don't know. <laughs> she says in parentheses, even the word entertainer like gets me. I don't know. Then later in the memoir, she writes, after all that shit, Loverboy ended up being the best-selling single of 2001 in the United States. I am a real. That's brutal. That's really That's devastating. Brutal. Yeah. And Mariah knows, like Mariah is a great writer. She knows how to use a pen to cut someone down. And here she is again. So to kind of like wrap this up, I think like the reason why it's interesting is there is kind of this blame and lack of accountability that seems to give it such staying power. But unlike a lot of reported feuds the lack of direct interaction between these two people makes it hard actually for us to like remember in our short-term memories because it's not kind of like an active situation uh j-lo has said so little about the lover boy sabotage of it all over the years that it's easy to wonder i think if she 
maybe was ignorant to it. And Mariah's holding a misplaced grudge. Like I definitely had the thought, is this a misdirected kind of like internalized misogyny moment? But at the same time, JLo has been known to steal from other artists or take credit when it's not due. Um, and it goes beyond just like finding inspiration from other artists. So here are just a few examples. There are so many. I'm Real. Ashanti wrote most of it and laid down demo vocals that were kept in the chorus of the JLo version with Ashanti uncredited. She also wrote and sang the chorus of Ain't It Funny, also with Ja Rule, without credit. In All I Have featuring LL Cool J, J-Lo hardly sings at all. Uncredited vocals go to Deborah Law's vocal sample from her 1981 track, Very Special. Uh, and uh, Makiba Riddick in the chorus. And then in Jenny from the Block, which is the most J-Lo song of all, uh, Natasha Ramos actually sings the whole chorus and the bridge. A lot of people who are just like relatively unknown. It also sounds like, therefore, that we need to, we need to investigate Ja Rule's role. I literally (laughs) had the same thought. I was like, we need to hold Ja Rule accountable for these actions. Ja Rule's Firefest tweet of just like, I was hoodwinked, bamboozled, scammed. Like, (laughs) that's what he would probably say, but I think we do need to investigate. And uh, I'm going to get on the case right after we finish recording. Uh, and cause there are, there are more examples of this. Um, that's like pretty, those are, those are, that's pretty damning evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is clearly a pattern and one that JLo does not acknowledge. Um, I just think there's no way, even if she didn't know about this one thing with Mariah, I feel like there's no way she didn't know that other people's vocals went uncredited on her hit songs. I think she has a very solid team around her. I think that if you are in your 30s and you're recording art, not to be like ageist in a way that implicates like me or anyone else in their in their 30s at this point. But um, if you, yeah, if you're like, oh, I didn't know, like, I don't know, y- you should, you should be an adult at that point, I think. I also um, could imagine that like she, the way that she might have known or might have thought about it was like, there might've been, especially as she was an up and comer, a little bit of an excitement about potentially taking Mariah Carey's place. Because like, if someone tells you at this point, and as you know, as the millennium shifts from one to the other, you could be the next Mariah Carey. And maybe they even say it explicitly to you. You're like, that's amazing. And you probably think you deserve that. You probably think Mariah Carey is so powerful that you yourself are not going to be the one to take her down. So it's really just a compliment and how cool that the music industry is like letting you, you know, kind of like take on that mantle. And I think that I do think the age thing comes into play because I could see that being a pretty naive thought for like, you know, an 18 year old who's coming into it. I think by your thirties, you should just be aware of how your actions affect other people, especially when they're implicated directly. Yeah. And I, I think that, and also the fact that JLo kind of got her start as a, as a singer and actress, assuming the role of Selena, who, you know, untime, like untimely death murdered when she's 23 and JLo like becomes her in the movie. And then kind of, we don't know what her, what Selena's career like would have become. She was already very successful at the time, but kind of like assumes that sort of role. And then she was like, I'm going to keep like doing this with other 
uh, songs. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think it's easy to get swept up in the excitement and be like, maybe that part isn't my job, so I don't need to worry about it. I do think if JLo didn't know about what Tommy Mottola did, then this does highlight, I think, another major difference in pop artists' involvement in their own music, specifically these two people. Um, because not only are vocals Mariah's strong suit and not really JLo's, like we said, she's more of a dancer, choreographer actress but mariah was also heavily involved in production of her music since the beginning and it seems possible this was just like not true for j-lo and so maybe it's hard for mariah too to imagine given her own experience and how involved she was with her own music all right so i'm just gonna wrap this up by saying you know i i think actually hannah has already made this point but I felt like it was weird that this has gone on for so long when they hardly interact but maybe it's actually because they hardly interact And then I just think that I don't know her or basically who has become its own type of dig in pop culture thanks to this feud. Um, The podcast Who Weekly has been using it for years now in a fun way. Um, I think originally basing it around Rita Ora. Britney Spears once said she'd rather hang out with Taylor Swift than Katy Perry because I've never met her regarding Taylor which seemed like a possible dig because they had definitely met. But I honestly think Brittany could forget that. Um, I think she, I don't think she said it that way. And there's just something about accidentally or like purposely walking into an insult via this ambiguity, you know, like the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And I think it's, I think it's really funny to just be like who and take someone down with that. But I don't know, this, this seems very, manufactured to me but also maybe a real feud and I'm curious what everyone at home listening thinks about it so let us know but that's the that's the end of JLo and Mariah for now until they continue to make passive aggressive remarks for the next 20 years who well now getting to a feud with two people who had can pretend they don't know each other, but have spent a lot of time with each other uh, is Leah Michelle versus the entire cast of Glee. Uh, and not just Glee, but there's even more people uh, for Leah Michelle and her feuds. Uh, it wasn't all smiles and songs on the side of Glee. Uh, Glee, which if you haven't, please check out our short mini series on the esteemed television series. Uh, a little while back in our podcast, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we gleeked out, you would say. Gleek's uh, a television, comedy, musical drama about a high school glee cub. On screen, what a fun and crazy kooky bunch of kids. And Matthew Morrison. Uh, sure, they got into some fights, but it's resolved through strong duets because that's what you do when you get into kooky fights with people. Uh, but behind the scenes, not so much. And I think I know the answer to this already, but Hannah, Mimi, to what extent did you know the Leah Michelle and Lee feuds? I was aware of it at the time. I, I, um, until last year, I kind of like checked out a Glee after season four, I think, but I, I did see a lot about it. And I remember thinking that it was mostly Leah Michelle versus Naya Rivera sort of competing for the spotlight as Naya got more screen time. That's how it was kind of like written in the show as well when they were like kind of quarreling. But I also was like, this is probably not a big deal or that deep. 
Um, and then since Glee wrapped, I've come to understand that it was much deeper than that. And it was more like Leah versus the majority of the cast with Naya as their representative and kind of a tabloid scapegoat. Exactly. That's like total, that's such a good way of putting it that I thought that it was. And then I think I, I think I probably assigned um, blame to Naya at the time. And that was probably, you know, yeah, that was something I don't think was correct. Cause I also, you know, we've talked about this before and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, that Becky and I love spring awakening in, you know, in the 2000s, 2010s. And I, so I loved Leah Michelle and I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with her. And I thought that she was like, um, very good at this role and very like funny. And I thought that she was the star. So if there was a problem with that, it was, you know, other people's problems. And I'm glad I got over that and understood that she's like quite a, quite a terror for, for many people. Yeah. I also think like one more thing to say on that is, is that, I think another reason it was easy for Naya to be kind of like a tabloid to sort of fall victim to that in the tabloids is like, she did have a lot of other tabloid things related to her relationships that like, didn't have to do with Leah, including with Mark Salling, who she dated at the beginning of the show and like later admitted she loves starting drama with and getting in fights with and like dumped, uh, like birdseed and and dog food on his car when he cheated on her or something like that so like she did have that but I just think it didn't extend to what was happening with Leah in the way that it was easy it was easy to like draw a line to that but it wasn't real it was much more of like a contained thing with Mark I guess is what I mean yeah and the media also is more likely to be forgiving to the white woman than the woman of color True. Uh, too. And I think also for me and Hannah too, I think that's also some like internalized racism too, to think that like she could do no wrong. Uh, but maybe just for me, uh, Leah Michelle plays the character of Rachel Barry on Glee, a rather annoying, persistent, must be center of attention at all times main character. So his tantrums has a hard time watching others succeed around her. Not to say she doesn't grow eventually, but it, takes time and the drama kid filled with the need to be perfect to cover up for some kind of darkness that she feels that they definitely do get out on the show but it seemed that her offstage presence seems to mirror that of her on-screen one started on broadway where leah once herself said that having started her career on broadway i came from a theater world where the word diva was awesome uh yikes now take it in that context and I know we're focusing on Glee here, but apparently Leah was also a terror during her Broadway days when Hannah and I saw Spring Awakening, a former actor, uh, George Canosio. And I'm pretty sure that this is Hannah's Facebook friend. Yes, we are still friends on Facebook to this day. This is <laughs> back in the day when like Broadway actors would accept your friend requests if they like weren't that famous because it felt really great. Yeah, from Spring Awakening, commented on one of Leah's posts, which... We'll talk about when all this reckoning happens, but you were nothing but a nightmare to me and fellow understudy cast members. You made us feel like we didn't belong here. I tried for years to be nice to you, but to no avail. Maybe actually apologize instead of placing the blame on how others perceive you. You'll probably just delete this though. So we'll get into the context of that. But I also wanted to flag that this was from, you know, 2007 stages uh, when Lynn Leah went to go on to Glee and it seems like she 
had feuds wherever she went. So just keep that in mind while we set the stage. And so the first and perhaps most well-known feud, which we've talked about, is with Naya Rivera. It was heavily reported, though, it was after uh, when Leah posted something about Black Lives Matter and then Naya Rivera's death that we, the audience, I think, learned more about what was actually going on on set. In 2014, many sources were claiming a huge feud between Leah Michelle and Naya Rivera, especially as Santana gained a bigger role in the show. And according to Us Weekly, they were, they were always icy to each other. Naya is jealous that Leah is the show's main character. There's a lot of sighing and eye rolling which seems to be like the most like teen, early 20s way. Uh, but Leah claimed there was nothing wrong. They're friends. Stop pitting women against each other. Though this rumor did get so big that Ryan Murphy, the show's creator, had to weigh in and say that the show would be returning with both members. Please keep watching our show. Like the drama, it'll play out. But the rumors penetrated as did the quote unquote pettiness. Leah told producers to force uh, Naya to sing an Ariana Grande song, despite the fact that Naya caught her ex-boyfriend, Big Sean, uh, cheating on her with Ariana Grande. It's hard to know if this is true. Uh, but if it is, it's like the, it reminds me, honestly, something like Mariah Carey would do to Jennifer Lopez and like that kind of like extreme deep seated insecurity pettiness. I think in her, in her memoir, Naya literally says she doesn't actually say Ariana Grande. She says she saw she walked in and saw him sitting on a couch with someone whose name rhymed with Shmariana Shmande. I think she says, uh, which also seems, yeah. I mean, this is in some ways this is a continuation of the dynamic we were talking about above. Please go on. Yeah. Well, speaking of her book in 2016, we do get some facts when Naya wrote a book appropriately called Sorry, Not Sorry. In it, she confirms Lee and I were like two sides of the same battery. We we're both strong-willed though and competitive and not just to each other, but with everyone. And that's not a good mixture, which I actually think is like nice. <laughs> it's like a nice way to say it. I'm Bibi, I know you also, do you want to, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm like, sure, they do both seem competitive and very strong-willed and and all of that. But I do think this, like in light of last year, I do think this is a generous statement because a lot of Naya's besties in the cast were like, it was all love and support between us. There was no competition or bad behavior. We were always elevating each other. And not saying that at all about Leah. So it seemed like it, that is another uh, sort of point towards like it's Leah versus everyone and not like Naya also was very competitive with everyone, you know? Yeah, it also was like super generous for Naya, I think, because she doesn't hold back in the book. Um, she later says, it seemed like she blamed me for anything and everything that went wrong. If I'd complained about anyone or anything, she'd assumed I was bitching about her. Soon she started to ignore me and eventually got to the point where she didn't say a word to me for all of season six. So to me, this feud at its core seems to be about women with different personalities, maybe rising to fame at the same time. And the blame lies heavily on Leah, which I think is correct, especially with Naya's untimely death. It makes the feud seem more petty and kind of sad. Um, I think that Leah clearly was hard to work with and not the most like supportive and I think probably was very insecure about other people becoming famous and not being about herself. And Leah posted on the one-year anniversary of Naya's death this past July, singing Don't Rain on My Parade, which is symbolic and sweet. 
quote tweet of Leah since much of season five of Glee is dedicated to Rachel Berry's journey to playing Fanny Bryce on the Broadway revival of Funny Girl. And in an episode, Naya auditions and ultimately gets the role of Leah's understudy where she sings Don't Rain on My Parade. So wait, can you remind me, Leah, Leah posted, like, was Leah singing in this no, post? No, no, Naya was singing Don't Rain on My Parade. She sings it in season five, Naya does, to audition to be Rachel's understudy. Is it bad that I kind of like think that's nice and also think that's like centering herself? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like, okay. uh, that's why I put sweet in quotes. Because it's like, uh, I think for Leah, she's probably like, I'm doing so good. Like, don't rain on my parade is like my song. And I'm honoring her by playing Naya singing my song, which in the show, she was my understudy, not like right. getting the role. <laughs> right. Like, why don't you just choose anything else? But yeah, yeah. that's how she works. Yeah. And so Naya sadly passed away last July and, but with her death also came a new spotlight on Glee, which honoring her memory. And it also highlighted some real tensions that were on set that we see was not just Naya, but I do think Mimi, it is a good point that the tabloids, because Naya played into a lot of that, they also probably enjoyed writing about her too, because she gave a lot. Um, So one, another example is uh, Leah Michelle versus Samantha Ware. So during the Black Lives Matter uh, movement of June in June of 2020, Leah Michelle, like most celebs, did the absolute bare minimum and posted George Floyd did not deserve this. This was an not an isolated incident and it must end. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Where I'm surprised honestly Leah Michelle didn't post a photo of her like singing with a black person. <laughs> but so, yeah. so I congratulate Leah on <laughs> not centering herself the most in that post. But so where who is black? was on the show's last season of Glee in 2015, which I'll admit I, I didn't watch. Did I don't think you guys watched it either. Um, I watched it eventually last year. When this happened, I didn't know that character. No, she was. I hadn't seen it. Um, she's great. Yeah. yeah she's great. So she tweeted back at her. Remember when you made my first television gig a living hell? Because I'll never forget. She tweeted in all caps. I believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity, you would shit in my wig amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made me question a career in Hollywood. Yeah. Truly awful. Uh, Samantha went on later to explain that during a large scene shot in an auditorium, Leah threatened to get her fired. She suspects that she had an unintentionally offended Leah. She waited until the end of the scene was over and she stopped in the middle of the stage and did a come here gesture like a mother does to a child. Samantha explains. Leah demanded, you need to come here right now, according to Samantha, who says she politely refused to walk to the center of the stage because she was already publicly humiliated in front of a crowd of extras and dancers. I said no. And that's when she decided to threaten my job and that she would call Ryan Murphy to come and fire me. Which is like very shitty uh, behavior. And I, and I uh, will talk about this a little bit later, but I think it goes beyond like what a feud really means. And it's not, uh, it's just, shitty unchecked behavior um that she gets away with I, she seemingly got away with from majority of her career up until two years ago uh and this feud ricocheted across the glee world amber i put feud in quotes amber riley tweeted a gif of her sipping tea followed by another gleeful reaction amber would go on to later say she didn't think leah was racist but she didn't care for her <laughs> 
And Heather Morris, who had been silent about Leah for years, said at the time, for Leah to treat others with the disrespect she did for as long as she did, I believe she should be called out. And yet it is on us because we allowed it to go on for so long without speaking out is something else we're learning along with the rest of society. <laughs> Fine. Other members of Glee piled on to expressing similar sentiments. I do think there is like a, like the Ryan Murphy of it all. And which I think would be so much to untangle and would go beyond this and would be, and would involve like Corey and their, and like, just, I don't know. He had Leah Michelle in his pocket or vice versa and like isolated everyone else on the show, except, or not Darren Chris either. He was also in the mix, but, but yeah. So I think that's like another element where it's like, this can't be a feud because it's, a, not just between these two people and B, like the creator of the show who is very powerful and bad is like clearly on one side always, you know? But yeah, so I, this Becky, the part you're talking about here, I think was like last June or so, right? It was um, right before Naya died. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Naya was still here and people were like, people were like, now's your time to like talk more about this. And she was like participating in the Black Lives Matter movement and everything. But I think she just said something like, my heart hurts. And then she didn't say anything else, which I totally understand. I would be like, she'd be like, I did talk about this in 2014 and 2015. Like, what do you, I don't know. It's, I think it's nice that she got to see other people come out against it, but she, it shouldn't be like, yeah, now it's time for me to talk even more about this as the official spokesperson you know yeah so leah did she did get to see leah's notes app apology which i'm sure you know left her fully satisfied where she says she never intended to hurt anyone's feelings yada yada and then she's reflecting on the criticism since she's about to become a mom uh she says she'll quote unquote do better in the future but that is tangibly but what that is tangibly remains unseen. A lot of the Glee cast was like, uh, she's annoying, but like, leave her alone. She's becoming a mom. That like seemed to be like, she's pregnant. She doesn't, she shouldn't be held accountable, accountable for her years of racism. She's pregnant, which is what like a lot of the cast members said at the time. I think even Amber said that. She did. Yeah. She was like, she was like, she's pregnant, you know, like maybe like, is she racist? She'd be like, you know, she's pregnant. pregnant. No. <laughs> Um, and I remember this apology starting with like, whether it was my privileged position that caused me to be perceived as insensitive, which is not as she gets a little better later on, but it's not a strong start. Yeah. As an aside, another few that's not glee related, but it's kind of fun and some gives them what's going on right now, uh, for Bravo fans. But so Leah Michelle was on watch what happens live where she had bad mouthed Aviva Drescher, which is to be expected because Aviva was a literal terror on Rahoni, uh, defending the actions of another housewife. This was like, oh, when was Aviva on? It must have been like early 2010s. So fast forward to 2020, when Leah Michelle posts her notes app apology, and out of retirement comes Aviva, who like has not been part of the Bravo world or really anything for like years. Comments: You were once very unkind to me, so I am not surprised by your behavior. You shouldn't judge others before looking in the mirror. Which I also think you know, when like feuds become a pile on uh, and it detracts from like 
actually the bad things that Leah Michelle was doing, calling out Aviva Dreasure and watch what happens live is like what watch what happens live is meant for. Not like being a dick on the set of your show. Yeah. So, I mean, this is amazing, but it's like, yeah. So she's like a caricature of the bully that she really is at this point, I guess. Yeah. All right. Okay. So just like a couple of notes to add on what has happened since Naya's death with this, um, because there's like so much on it over the years. And I feel like it's further clarified how strong the projection of this feud was in the media and how misguided it was, as Becky's been saying. So like when one thing that was like shocking to me is that when Naya went missing, Leah was inundated on Twitter with people being like, it should have been you, which is so fucked up again. And I will also say like to target a pregnant person like that and also to target her over something that has like nothing to do with her actually shows like how close this association is. She deleted her account. She has not returned. Um, and Amber at that same time basically told everyone to back off and leave Leah alone. She's like, this has nothing to do with her and she doesn't owe anyone a public display of grief, which I think is right also. Um, even if we don't agree with like the photo she chose the following year. Uh, and then basically everyone associated with Glee who isn't named Ryan Murphy or Leah Michelle has memorialized Naya in very specific and loving ways that affirmed their closeness with her. Like saying things that you just like don't have to say when your co-star dies, if you're not close with them. Um, And then they also keep confirming, like Becky, you said above, that Naya was the only one who was honest at the time and they all had issues with Leah. And then I think we're also seeing more and more that like Ryan Murphy is a monster and he is involved in this as well. So um, I think it's only gotten clearer in in some ways since last July. And she still has her Instagram account, Liam Michelle, but the comment, she, the, you can't comment on it. She like, did that at the same time. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And it's that's been over a year, no comments, which is, that's a bold move. Like, you know, celebrities do do that, but, it, but you know, it's like a I last resort. Yeah, I didn't realize she kept the comments off like that too. Yeah, it is a last resort, yeah. Yeah, and some more research that I've done, I'm not sure I would actually call this feuds the way that the media is sort of sensationalized them to be. I think also, as we talked about, Ryan Murphy, I'm sure liked the feud because it drew, is clickbaity. So people wanted to like tune in to Glee because of the drama that was happening behind the scenes only helped elevate the show and so if you're ryan murphy you're like i don't give a shit because my show is still running and i want people to pay attention to it and the the quote-unquote feud is a more example i think of a white woman acting largely unchecked throughout her entire career she suffered nothing i mean maybe she suffered now but she was also pregnant at the time so i can't imagine that she was like looking to do a lot of roles um she kept getting cast in more things and ryan murphy would just like brush off her comments and it was kind of gross and it's gross reflecting on it now. Um, and I, I hope that for whatever, if Leah does decide to go back into acting again, she isn't a monster or realizes that like other people's roles only elevate her, not in a way that like is act to tear her down. So I hope that she's in therapy uh, reflecting on those things. 
Yeah. I wonder if she'll be allowed. I mean, as long as she's friends with Ryan Murphy, she's probably she said got a gig. But um and I wonder also- like if anyone else would work with her at this after last year, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, we didn't even talk about Corey Monteith and his death. And I am, I'm sure that's also really like fucked up her relationship with Glee cast members too. Um, but not an excuse for her behavior. I think so. Yeah. I actually think that that is true too. I think that's actually like when it got a lot worse, it seems like timing wise. Um, but also the episode where they pay tribute to him, which again, I think is like completely inappropriate. It was a great episode, but like completely inappropriate that they had the cast do that so soon. Um, that they made Naya the lead because Leah like wasn't up for it. And they were like, you're also a lead and you were really close with Corey. So like, you're going to have to be strong and like take the lead on this episode, which is also fucked up. So I think you're right. I think it's, it's, there's like so much there. Yeah. I have to do another Glee episode. Right. Someday. So I was just looking at Leah Michelle's Instagram again. I was wrong that the comments have been off. The comments are limited. There are comments, but you can't add more. So I don't that. Yeah. As Mimi uh, was saying, this, this is some Instagram trickery of sorts so she's clearly she she's clearly wants control over her social media which you know i do think is anyone's right but also i she's she's a monster in her own special way for sure next one okay we have made it to the third and final feud of this feudy episode um i think this is another feud that like it is a feud but also dot 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 emotionally it's not like it's unclear this is the feud between victorious cast victorious cast members ariana grande and victoria justice um so this is a really interesting feud in my opinion because of how drastically the power shifted between the two that there was one you know who started off as the one with the the most power and clout and then it flipped so dramatically and that means that there was like never balance between them. Um, and I guess it's a question of like, can there real can it really be a feud if the two sides are so unequal, right? It's the it reminds me of when, you know, one college calls another college their rival, but that rival doesn't even consider that other college a competitor, right? So it's it's uneven. I feel like feuds do imply some sense of balance, some back and forth, some you know, ping pong of of power grabs. And this feud just never had that. So I'm kind of curious, Mimi and Becky, like what's your impression of this feud between Victoria Justice and Ariana Grande before we get into it? Um, I am basically a blank slate in that everything I've learned, I've learned in the last like day from you or doing like a quick, having a quick YouTube moment. So I'm looking forward to this and uh, yeah, please enlighten me. I don't really know the specifics. I just know they don't like each other. And Becky did suggest this feud. So thanks, Becky. I wanted to learn more. I just didn't get along. Exactly. So we have to start with Victorious, the show. Um, And I guess we have to start even before that. So Victoria Justice was the breakout star of Zoe 101. Yes, that's how far back we're going with this. That's, you know, we, we, we are never far from a Spears 
maybe a Britney Jean, maybe a Jamie Lynn. We're never far from a Spears. Um, so she was the breakout star of Zoe 101. Nickelodeon gave her Victorious, a show about artsy teenagers. So it's not Glee, but it's not, it's not not Glee. Did you, did you watch this show? Yes. Chase was the background on my phone in 2007, 2006. So you watched Zoe 101? Yes. Did you watch Victorious? Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Great. I also did not watch Victorious. I, and I had seen random episodes of Zoe 101, but not enough to know what was going on at all. I can't believe that Chase was the background of your phone. That's amazing. (laughs) I think that we've discussed that we often had kind of like age inappropriate. um, Like we watched things that were for younger people. I know I did, but this was something I didn't, right? Like, yes, in 2010, I was watching Camp Rock too. Sure. (laughs) But I was not watching Victorious. So um, I don't, I think I must've watched a few things because I feel like it's familiar to me, but I, I missed this. So, oh, so you, oh, I just assumed that you, had watched it. I don't no. know why. Oh, great. No. I love this for us. No. <laughs> I mean, watching. listen, I'm, I'm sure I saw some things, so I guess I didn't like really not watch it. Like it was familiar to me. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like ever watch it intentionally. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. We were, you know, like we were in college at this yeah. point, which you can still watch whatever you want, but it makes sense that you would not be able to. So, on this show about RT, okay, wait, something I, it's, was released in 2010 or it started, feels really important for me to tell you that the title was stylized. It was not just the word victorious. Of course, it's a play on, you know, her name, Victoria. It was, the title is in all caps, the word victorious, all caps, except one letter, the I, the I is lowercase. I, why? I think it was supposed to really emphasize that the main character was named Tori, but it, it's really a vibe. It's really a whole 2010 vibe. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Maybe it's part of the whole, I feel like um, 2010 was very like, I this, yes. I, I Carly, I iPhones are everywhere. Yes. I don't, this is probably not that, but that's what comes to mind. Oh, I think it's definitely part of it. I this, okay. I that, uh-huh, absolutely. So Ariana Grande and her friends, Danielle Monet, Liz Gillies, Matt Bennett, among others, but like her, those are still some of her best friends. They played the also talented students at this arts high school. So I think that's important already because Victorious, the show, relied on the other cast members being super talented and being triple threats in a way that like Glee did too, right? Like, and that's something that I don't know if Victoria Justice who was the star of the show. They created it for her. Like, I don't know if she fully reckoned with the fact that her castmates were also going to be superstars, like superstars in the making. I don't know if she really reckoned with that before jumping into this project. So from there, it's a pretty predictable power struggle. The first instance of any real problem being visible was the iconic I think we all sing bit. So this is the, I don't know her of this feud is that I think we all sing. Mimi or Becky, do either of you want to take a stab at recounting this incident for those of us who are listening who have not seen this moment? Can you give us a play-by-play? 
Um, I'm happy to give a play-by-play, but then you say the part that Victoria Justice says, kind of like last week where you were Marissa Cooper shooting the gun and I was Imogen Heap. Okay. So it's basically, I'm sorry, I don't know everyone in the cast name, but it's like a line of people being interviewed. And one of them's like, yeah, Ariana sings everything, all which is such a good thing because she has an amazing voice. And Ariana's like, oh, like mm, me. And then uh, someone on the other side, they zoom in on Victoria. She's like grimace, smiling, kind of looking around. They, someone on the other side says like, oh, well you also, what's, what's the other person's name who just I think said it was that? Danielle. They Danielle. Were oh, maybe right. it was amazing. She's like, oh, Danielle, but you also sing. Like, it's great. You know, they're well, just like, uh, I think we all sing. <laughs> Did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Right. So Victoria comes in and, and does what Hannah just did. Like, um, and I don't know if it was, if it was her being jealous of other people getting compliments and attention, or if she's just like, we do actually all sing. So we don't need to go line by line and be like, well, you also sing, will you sing too? You know, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, and actually you saw a funny YouTube comment about this, Mimi. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone in uh, a comment on a video showing this clip said that they got an All Lives Matter vibe <laughs> from this. I know. <laughs> which I think is funny. We all sing. So the thing that's like really loaded about this moment is like you were saying, Mimi, I actually do believe that the entire cast of Victoria sings. Like, I think she was telling the truth. I believe that she was being truthful And, you know, I also know from being an obsessive Ariana Grande fan, like obsessive, that no one, no one in the entire world sings as much as Ariana Grande does. She sings everything she's doing. She sings every moment of her life. So yes, Victoria was speaking the truth, but that truth was like covered in salt, super salty. But I do think that if it had stayed about Ariana, I don't think she would have said it. I do think the moment, I think exactly what you're just saying to me. When they started to go line by line, she was like, let's move on. This isn't interesting. We all sing. I actually think it was more about that than Ariana specifically. But I also, I'm sure that, you know, this was a show that was supposed to be about her being the talented one. And I bet that for a lot of people, Ariana was already understood to be the best singer of the group. And that must have like, I bet she hated that. I bet she hated that. I so think that so too. Right, right. Do you have other impressions of this moment? No, except to just uh, underscore what you said and uh, the impression I was trying to do of Ariana, like receiving a compliment and just being like, not like, like flattered, but really like not at all surprised or flattered. Right, exactly. Um, uh, It's it's a very, it's a very interesting moment. Um, the thing that's interesting, so that was in 2010, I believe. And the moment resurfaced in early 2017 because the internet does what it does. And at that time, Victoria actually tweeted, I think we all have better things to do than dredging up seven-year non-existent drama. That said, I'm kind of excited to finally be a meme. Yeah, poor Victoria. This is tough. This is tough. So the other thing I just want to make a public request for everybody, I put this on my Instagram stories. I could not figure out the answer. There's another moment like this that I used to believe. I remember talking to people and I remember I knew I knew the right words to put into YouTube to find it. And it was even more damning, in my opinion, than that moment. 
And it was very similar. It was like someone talking about how Ariana Grande is a great singer and Victoria Justice like being like, no, we're all great singers. I don't want to talk about Ariana specifically. And I really feel like it's way worse than this, but I can't find it. So if anybody listening knows what I'm talking about, at listen to the B-sides on Instagram, please help us find this moment because I can't find it. And I really want to find it. So that still remains like the biggest moment of this feud. And that, yeah, that was a long time ago. So the next moment um, I th- that I want to share, I think by my limited sleuthing is like one of the clearest actual moments of conflict, because what I mentioned about this feud, but it will, you know, become clearer is that there's very little actual moments of conflict between these two people that we get to witness. So this is 2013. The show has just wrapped up. Ariana went her went on her Ask FM account, remember Ask FM, <laughs> um, to basically do like an AMA, ask me anything. And a poster, you know, writes that Victorious ended because Ariana did the spinoff show Sam and Cat, which was the which was the crossover show with Jeanette McCurdy from iCarly. And this is what Ariana said to this poster. Um, Mimi, do you want to read what Ariana Grande said? I would be delighted. Here's what she said. Sweetheart, the only reason Victorious ended is because one girl didn't want to do it. She chose to do a solo tour instead of a cast tour. If we had done a cast tour, Nickelodeon would have ordered another season of Victorious while Sam and Cat filmed simultaneously, but she chose otherwise. I'm sick of this BS. There it is. And yes, Victoria did go on a solo a solo tour in the summer of 2013. And honestly, like it's sad in retrospect, but it was probably a very smart move for Victoria Justice to go on a solo tour at that time. Like that, that actually, yeah, it ultimately didn't pan out in a major way. And we can kind of speculate on why Victoria's uh, fame has not reached the level that I think she believes it could have been. But um, yeah, that's what Ariana Grande said. So of course, Victoria then had to, clap back um becky do you want to read what victoria justice posted on twitter after this so victoria justice posted on twitter after this some people would throw some number one someone that they consider a good friend under the bus to make themselves look good hashtag stopping a phony hashtag if only they knew there it is that's like the only public moment of real conflict so then the next moment that i want to talk about was like potentially a non-moment, but just for the sake of a full TL timeline, let's discuss. So this is later in 2013. Ariana Grande gives an interview in Seventeen Magazine where she says, I worked with someone who told me they'd never like me, but for some reason, I just felt like I needed her approval. So I started changing myself to please her. It made me stop being social and friendly. I was so unhappy. So no names here. And later... In an interview, Victoria Justice is the one who explains it. So it's kind of like, okay, Victoria says that she and Ariana even talked about this moment. Ariana called her up and said, oh my goodness, like the magazine is kind of twisting my words. And Ariana like swearing it was about a person she worked with on Broadway. And the thing about public feuds is that it almost like doesn't matter, which is true because the public took this as evidence of Victoria and Ariana Grande, even if it's like, it is very possible that Ariana was talking about someone else. Cause that actually doesn't characterize what I understand to be just like a pretty typical power struggle. It doesn't really sound like it necessarily could is definitely, definitely slam dunk Victoria justice. 
So, you know, we're fast forwarding and Ariana Grande is becoming Ariana Grande and Victoria Justice isn't, isn't. Um, so at this point, the tables have completely turned. I mean, Ariana Grande, she, she's one of the big, she will go down in history, one of the biggest pop stars of all time. So the next moment of kind of a non-feud I want to highlight is Coachella 2019, otherwise known as Ari Cella. Oh, still love consuming any content about this, even though it was many moons ago at this point. So Victoria Justice attends, but she leaves early. Why does this matter at all? Because she makes like a really big deal about leaving early. <laughs> so she posts on Instagram a picture of her in like a fringy top and, you know, cut off shorts and cowboy boots. And the caption is until next time, Coachella, sorry, I have to leave early, but I'm sure we'll be seeing each other again soon. Happy face, peace sign, cactus emoji. And like, who, whatever. So, so then, okay. Then she goes on Instagram stories to hammer home just how sad she is to leave early. And then she says, I think because she was getting backlash already, there were so many artists I wanted to see. And of course, I wanted to see Ariana tonight, but I know she's going to have an amazing show and she's going to kill it. So I think it's like, it's just interesting. I don't think any other celebrity who left Coachella early felt the need to discuss it so much because I'm sure people do that all the time. It's 100% due to what Victoria knew was speculation about their ongoing feud that she wanted people to know she was leaving early and then she wanted to... She wanted people to know that it wasn't because of Ariana, but I don't know. It just doesn't sit. It doesn't sit right. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like it's okay to Irish goodbye from Coachella in most cases, even as her. Yeah. This seems, this seems weird and pointed. Yeah. So then the last moment I want to highlight was an early, early pandemic time when Victorious did a Zoom reunion. Remember all those like Zoom reunions? There's like a fill of the future one I watched that was so awkward. Oh God. Forgot oh about that God, show. It was so awkward. It, remember the like little sister who was kind of annoying? Yeah. She's like now, I think she's like in law school and is like a totally normal person and has had done and Brenda's song is like, oh my God, you live in LA. Like we should get lunch. And the girl is like, we're not getting lunch, Brenda's song. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but like you see it on her face. Like, I am gonna be a lawyer. You are Brenda's song. We are not getting lunch. And like you know it and I know it. Don't say that. <laughs> well. Anyway, so they do a Zoom reunion and Victoria posts a screenshot on Instagram with the caption, this made me happy, smiley face, 10 years later, can't even believe it. Okay, so I have to put on a little bit of a Zoom sleuth hat for a second. And if people um, either agree or disagree with me, I'd love to hear. So in this picture, there's like, you know, it's a tic-tac-toe thing, right, of, of the Zoom gallery view. Victoria is in the middle. She's the middle box of the screen. Now, this screenshot could have been taken by anyone, by someone else. But in gallery view, Zoom's default is usually to put you second from the top left. You can move squares around. The way this picture look, it actually looks to me like someone edited the frames. Someone literally just took, you know, cropped and moved things around and put Victoria in the middle, which I just think is funny. I just think that's funny. And I will say it is the same photo that Ari posted. So like maybe it really was just like a regular old screenshot, but I think Victoria Justice's team like put her in the middle. Maybe the Zoom algorithm was like justice for Victoria Justice. justice. Yeah. Justice for justice. <laughs> um, so the reason yeah. we did this. Oh yeah, I don't, Becky. I don't think it's, I think we can like to think 
she played around <laughs> with it, but I think she got lucky. You think I'm overthinking the Zoom layout? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so the reason they did this was not just because of the pandemic, but also it was because it was the show's 10-year anniversary. So most of the cast members are posting like really mushy tributes, you know, like slide Instagram slideshows and um, Ariana Grande posts one too. And she writes, um, you know, she has like a bunch of slideshow pictures and the caption is 10 years of victorious Daniela's post, Daniela Monet. Daniela's post got me all in my feels. So now I'm sorry for the mushiness, but just want to say how grateful I will always be for being on this show for those years of my life. I couldn't have spent my teenage years with a better, more funny, talented group of human beings. I really loved playing Cat Valentine, even though sometimes people think I actually still speak and act like that. And her essence will lovingly haunt me till I die. I miss getting in trouble with my friends, the schoolroom, trying not to laugh when we weren't supposed to on set. I even miss waking up with red hair dye stained pillows which we know is a very loaded piece of her entire journey. So in both Victoria and Ari's slideshows, they did include pictures of each other. I don't know. That's just interesting. I think it was, I think if they didn't, it would have been really noticeable. So they do. But the reason I'm telling all of this, not just because I'm a Zoom sleuth, the reason I want to share this is because on that post that Ariana Grande shares with a screenshot, you know, with, with all of these 10 year anniversaries, a fan commented, I think we're all the best. And Ariana Grande replies to that comment and says, shut the fuck up, heart emoji. <laughs> so like, that's the last word on this at this at this point. That Ariana Grande saying, shut the fuck up on someone saying, I think we're all the best. <laughs> so Mimi, Becky, like, do you think this feud is real? Does it matter? What's your, what's your impression? I think it's similar uh, to Leah Michelle. And that it was two women competing at the same exact time for fame, but a less intense and loaded feud. Yeah, this seems to be, maybe this is like a mix. I mean, this is really reductive to say, but like, this was a, this was something that was in person on set, interacting all the time and then moved mostly online, I'm guessing, which I think is kind of, (laughs) An interesting hybrid. Um, I don't know. I think your point that they have gone in different directions and Ariana Grande is Ariana Grande. I think that's like a really salient point for being like, this isn't a feud because a feud seems to imply some sort of level playing field or like something like that, where there is kind of a real competition at this point. So I don't know. And I also think that all feuds are kind of like, not all, all of these ones and probably others are, (laughs) I'm doing, I'm doing the all thing. now. I know. I was noticing that. I think all feuds, a lot of feuds are, they get denied by the people involved, um, which is interesting. And then they're also kind of, I think like all of these ones and then some other ones are also kind of like an inkblot, like Rorschach test of like where we're at or where the culture is at in terms of like how much substance we actually think is there, whose side we're on. And with this one, I don't know. I think it's just like they weren't, they weren't besties and uh, things didn't work out as great for Victoria. And that's kind of where it is. I don't know. What do you think, Hannah? Um, I think that it's notable 
how close Ariana still is with the rest of the cast members. Like they're, they're very, very close. And it seems like no one is close with Victoria justice, but mm. that, that I could be wrong about that. But um, that tell like, there, it tells me there's something kind of real there because in a normal friendship situation, it would be like, okay, Ariana and Victoria aren't close, but Ariana and Daniela are close and Daniela and Victoria are still close. And it would just be kind of like a regular, you know, unloaded set of individual relationships. And the fact that she's just so cut off from everyone tells me that um, there's no evidence to say that she was like the Leah Michelle of the cast and everybody hated her, but it does maybe speak more to the fact that like the orbit shifted, the center of gravity became Ariana Grande. And like, that is it, which I, which I imagine if that's the case would be very painful for Victoria, like really, really painful. Um, she's still trying to make music. She's still, she's in a new Netflix movie called afterlife of the party that I do not think looks good. Um, and, but you know, maybe you should watch for fun. And I have tried to watch some of her music videos recently. She doesn't have the star power, not just that Ariana Grande does, cause that's a really high bar, but I don't, I've never seen it for her. I'm sorry to say she doesn't have it. She was great on Zoe 101 though. Can't confirm. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Um, and I bet that if there ever was actual bad blood, which it seems like there really was, I'm sure that as adults, they, they want to, yeah, rise above it, but that doesn't mean they want to like become best friends now. But I bet that Ariana really meant shut the fuck up. She was like, I like, stop, be done with this. I'm done with this. You should be done with this. Let's be done with this. So I'm releasing a beauty line. So shut the fuck up. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's my take on that. That's Ariana Grande and Victoria justice. That's a really interesting one. And I'm glad that Ask FM was involved as well. <laughs> Always a goal to get uh, that platform on here. Well, I think that's the end of our like pseudo feud episode. There's always more to say. There are always other ones that we can talk about and perhaps will at another time. But I think we really went through it here today. And I'm proud of us for making it to the other side. Um, with our very real feud with Matthew Morrison still intact uh, because he makes my skin crawl. So great. Um, That's the end of our show, but it's not the end of this conversation. We can't wait to hear what you guys think. Let us know on any of the, you know, social media, the iTunes reviews, anywhere you want. What do you think? And if you have a second and you want to support us, you can leave us a very nice review of this episode or any episode on iTunes or your podcast app of choice or like a passive aggressive one that we can then like extrapolate from and create a feud out of. But for now, we will say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the B-Sides podcast. We want to connect with you. Check out the show notes to find our Instagram, Twitter, and join our Facebook group where you can link up with us and other progressives who love pop. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already, and consider supporting the B-Sides on Patreon. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. 